Today's scripture is from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. Lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The grass withers and flowers fade. Well, it's my uh, distinguished pleasure to introduce our guest speaker today, uh, Reverend Edwin Cologne, as we finish up our uh, DNA series on the vision uh, of our church. Um, Edwin is the founding pastor and senior pastor of Recovery House of Worship in Brooklyn. He's married to Liz. He has five kids, some older, some younger. Uh, but maybe the best way of humanizing and personalizing Edwin, uh, in many ways he doesn't need really an introduction because many of you know him because he spoke at our fall retreat two years ago, but uh, perhaps a, the highest compliment any pastor can receive is when another pastor says, I wish you were my pastor. And I wish Edwin was my pastor. And so as he makes his way forward, can we give it up for Edwin? Thanks, brother. Super honored to be with you here today. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Darn it, it's not Aaron speaking today. And so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm really grateful to be with you. I know I, I saw a bunch of you at the retreat. Again, my name is Edwin Cologne. I pastor the Recovery House of Worship. And um, it's a church filled with addicts and homeless people. Um, people who are struggling uh, with alcoholism and just trying to get back on their feet, coming back from prison, and uh, you know, like this church. And so, I know, I see some of you with tattoos on your neck. No, that's not here, right? I wear the skinny jeans for you guys. You have to understand. So, um, I'm super grateful. It's a different environment than what I'm used to. And so, if you're here, let me just say this. If you're here and you're new, um, part of the reason why God put it on Pastor Aaron's heart and the rest of the team to start this church is because of you. We're so glad. If you're here and you're new, this is your first time here. Here, Welcome. Um, we pray that you get something. I'm sure you've already gotten something out of the service. But um, I want to encourage you to come back next week <laughs> because that's when Aaron's going to preach and it'll be so much better. And so with that said, I'm going to pray more for me than for you, but I'm going to pray that God help us to see. There's a vision for um, that when we is, um, we get a vision for our lives. That all of the fear and insecurity and wonder about what God wants us to do, it all melts away when we look at the beauty and the wonder of this glorious God, who would um, condescend to call us to partner um, in His mission. So would you pray with me? 
Father, I'm so grateful we all get to be here together. I'm grateful that you are with here right now, this second. And you're also with the recovery house of worship with a different type of people, but your people nonetheless. And so you are an awesome God. And I ask, Lord, that you would not um, allow for my, um, any mistakes that I might make or any, uh, anything like that to interfere with the work that you're doing in the hearts of those that are here. And I ask that in a powerful way, we would leave here seeing you as glorious, willing to say yes to wherever you would have us go. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do that powerfully in my own heart if you want me to leave the recovery house of worship, if you want me to go to somewhere else, Lord, after 20 years, I want to go. I want to go. Make my heart want to go. And do that for the rest of us here, wherever we are. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, getting, in, getting direction from the Lord and following that direction sometimes can be some of the most difficult things in the world. I remember I was on the uh, L train on Lorimer Street. Anybody know about the L train on Lorimer Street? Okay, that's right. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, so the L train on Lorimer Street back in Brooklyn, it's, um, it's this artery that connects into Manhattan. It's like First Avenue, Second by Union Square. Okay, so um, <laughs> this is going so well. <laughs> so the, the L train, I, I and I was uh, like, you know, I was, I, I just had discovered Jesus. It was like really exciting. And I got this impression from the Lord. Now, if you're not walking with Christ, or if you're just kind of right now kicking the Christian tires and not sure you're down with this Christian thing, it's cool. Uh, an when I say impression, I mean like I got a sense like God wanted me to do something. It wasn't like an audio, audible voice or anything like that, but it was like a sense. And what it was was this woman, um, she was crying next to me. And the Lord, I, I sensed the Lord, hey, Ed, you know, talk to her. You know, uh, see if you can be of any help or any comfort to her. And so, right, I was doing the Lord. I was on fire. And so, of course, I said, no, <laughs> because I get scared at talking to people in general and talking to strangers. In and so I said, no, 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 I won't do that. Thank you very much. Good to see you. But, um, and so she kept, and, and it, it kept on growing in my heart. It kept, the, 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 the impression kept on growing in my heart. And so I'm right there by the L train. And so I, I a place where I know one cart ends and I know where she's standing because I, I go on this train all the time. Her cart is going to begin. My cart ends. You get where this is at, right? So I said, well, God, if she goes in my cart, then I'll know it's from you. Because everybody knows that Satan loves to tempt people to comfort others who are in distress. So I was like, I didn't know if it was from the Lord. I wasn't sure it was from the Lord. And so, so I was like, I had to test the theory. And so I said, well, if she comes into my cart, then I know it's from you. So it's just as I predicted. The, the train ends exactly where it's supposed to end. I walk into my cart. And I walk into her. She, I go, see, clearly, this wasn't from the Lord. So I walk down. And would you believe walking through the doors, illegally, I might add, while the train was moving, was this girl who was weeping. She walked into my cart. And I didn't know what to do. So a seat. Uh, made itself available, and I sat next to 
I was just like, I need to sit and think about this. I could, Edwin, go, comfort, talk to her. And I sat down, and I was sitting next to um, a really big guy, like a really, really big guy, like take up two seats kind of guy, right? And I said to the Lord, I said, well, Lord, if this is really you, because again, unsure, <laughs> if this is really you, have her sit next to me. But there's like a half a seat left there, right? Because of the guy, right? There's three seats, but there's like a half a seat. I was like, well, have her sit next to me, right? And so uh, we, we go, and, and she's on the other side of the, uh, of the train car. So I sit there, and would you believe at Union Square, I was going all the way to 8th Avenue, um, at Union Square, the, the large guy gets up and leaves, and she's on the other side of the train. And you know how, like, in New York, everybody jumps at the chair? Not here. She sat right next to me. She sat. And I said, Lord, you put her hair on fire. <laughs> I will know that this is you. Actually, what happened was, I to speak to her. And on the very next stop, which is 6th Avenue, she got up and walked out with the comfort that give her through me, but I refused to give. That happened over 25 years ago. I still think about her and prayer for her sometimes. I don't know. I, I wonder if I'm the only one who struggles when we sense that God is leading us somewhere, either through the scriptures, most Sometimes, like, maybe you're married, right, and, and there's an argument, and you just know that they started it, and you're, they're 99% wrong, and you're, like, 1% wrong, and you just go, and, and God is putting it in your heart to say, you know, I'm leading you to do this. I'm, I want you to do this. I want you, I want you to be a reconciler. I want you to be a peacemaker, and you're like, no. Or, or maybe at work, there's tensions because everybody's following the Lord, and people make up their own rules, and to follow the Lord, and, and so bending the rules a little bit, not much, not enough to get in trouble, not enough to get arrested, but just bending the rules a little bit, it's okay, because while the Lord is leading you one way, you just go, no, I think I'll go another way. I suspect that if I put on your head, you would be able to share a story of how God was leading you to do something and you just told him no. All of us struggle with that. But God knows that every one of us are gonna wrestle with that sort of thing and so he gives us scriptures all over the place to recognize that his way is the best way, that when he gives a vision of himself, that a vision for our lives, that when we see Jesus as glorious and this beautiful missionary who would come from to earth to do the impossible, redeem the lost, that when we see that happening and we see and we experience that, that we're just like, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, because when we see a vision of who God is and his great glory, it gives us a vision for our lives. God knows that we're weak and hard and all that stuff, so he gives us beautiful passages like the one we just read in Isaiah. Now, in the end, here's how it ends, right? So just in case if you have to leave early, this is how the story ends. He says this, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And nothing up my sleeves, listen to me, 
If you know Jesus, by the end of this sermon, I just want you to just do this. I just want you to respond to Jesus with yes. Wherever he's calling you, whatever he's asking you to do, however, and it could be in your office. I mean, it could be in Cambodia, right? But it could, it's more likely in your office or in your apartment complex or maybe even on the train state, in the train, L train of all places even. So I want you to be able to say yes, but if you're here and you don't know, or, or, or you're like, again, like you're struggling or you're wrestling and you're thinking, or someone invited you and you're not like down with the Christian thing, but you're down with your friend and that's cool. Um, if you're here, then my prayer is that you would be able to see a vision of God that would maybe spark something of a beauty that you would see in him that might make you draw closer to him. In the end, our precious brother Isaiah says yes. My prayer is that we would as well. It starts, as you've just heard, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple Let's just stop right there. So Isaiah, by the way, King Uzziah, many of you may know, King Uzziah was this long reigning king. Like you hadn't seen a king like this since Solomon. And he was like a great administrator. He was a fantastic leader. He was like a, a military general. He was brilliant in every way that you can imagine. Like multiple decades, like over 50 years of service in the kingdom. And then the guy that everybody depended on for the nation to be okay, because once we, if we have this leader in place, if this guy's in charge, everything is going to be all right, because everybody prospered under this leader. And then he went ahead and did what everybody does. He died. And so now other nations are rising up. Other people are creeping in, and they're wondering. People are wondering about how they're going to do. The king is dead. And the year the king dies, Isaiah sees the king. The things that we've placed our lives importance on, the things that we've placed our life security on, when we put it all in there and that all goes bad, and you're young, a lot of you are young enough not to know this lesson, but it always all goes bad at least once in your life. There's no successive victories forever in life. Disappointments, heartaches, all of that happens. In that moment when the king dies, in that moment when you all is lost, when that moment when the thing that you've been depending on for your security, protection, and identity, when that goes away, at that point, Isaiah could see the king high and exalted. And then and we don't have enough time. We have to do like a 30,000-foot view of this text because we don't have time to talk about the train of his robe and what it represents. And, and so above him were these seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings covered their faces. Two, they covered their feet. Two, they were flying and they were calling to one another. And there's, you know, we don't have time to talk about how like um, with the uh, covering their faces represents humility and et cetera, et cetera. But you'll get into that one day, I'm sure. He says... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Is that in Hebrew, and I'm no, I'm no Hebrew scholar, right? But I read really smart people. And so this is what they say um, uh, this means. Speak of emphasis in the Hebrew scriptures. When you speak of emphasis, you speak of, you, you double it, right? So if it's like, 
if, uh, for instance, there's one text in the Bible where it says they fell into pits. Like they fell into pits, they say it fell, they fell into great pits, right? And so in the Hebrew, it actually says they fell into pit pits, right? Because it's emphasizing how great. But here, here, it says God is holy, holy, holy. He's superlative. He's better than your lover. He's more wonderful than your financial aspirations. He's grander than your dreams. God is holy, holy, holy. He's beyond what you can comprehend. He's the fulfiller of all the things that you thought you needed. He is the one holy. He's not holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's grander than you can imagine. And the whole and is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is important because if you're going to wind up doing what God wants you to do, you're going to have to spend time seeing God as he is. For the most part, in my life, God has been, God has been like a, a coach. You know, have you ever had a coach? Coach tells you what to do and you decide you're going to do it or not, right? Like someone who gives a suggestion, you know, or, or like a big brother God has been, you know, has a little bit more experience than me, and God will tell me, Edwin, I want you to go this way, not that way, and I'll go, hmm, that's interesting. I'll think about that, but no, no, no. When you see God as holy, it just blows you away. Like, literally, no Lord is a contradiction. He can't be Lord, and you say no. Get it? He's the Lord. He created us. One of the things that I'm discovering and God is deepening inside of me is that everything that happens for me is for my good and for his glory. I was pastoring uh, the church I'm still, that I'm still pastoring and we, we were obedient. My wife and I were obedient but the church couldn't afford to pay us so what we wound up doing is we fell into being homeless while we were ministering to these people from 2009 to 2007. Four kids at the time. We got five now. Four kids at the time. And we fell into being homeless and we were like, oh my goodness, what's this? I mean like homeless, homeless, like showering with the homeless, homeless eating with the homeless, homeless cooking with the homeless, homeless sleeping in the same building as the homeless. Like, like and God has used, listen to me, I'm a little bit older now, I was younger then. I'm a little bit older now, and God was doing some things not only inside of me, but also in, within the context of my marriage. God was doing something beautiful through a very painful process. When we can trust and see that God is great, superlative, and marvelous, we lives even if it's through scary places. Holy, holy, holy. Then he goes on and he says, at the sound of their voices, verse four, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You know when inanimate objects start responding to the voice of the Lord? You know the voice of the Lord is awesome, right? Doorposts shake. Have you ever, has that ever happened? 
remember the floor shaking under me is I was at this camp. It was a retreat. It was called Camp Deer Park. And there was this deer that was like, did you know how big deer were? Deer are huge. They're like, it was a big deer. And I, was, I don't know, I'm from Brooklyn, so I've never really seen deer. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's like Bambi. And so I started to walk towards the deer with my hand out, thinking it was like a, like a dog. You know how like you put your hand out with a dog? Let him... It was like a, where the glass. So I'm walking towards the deer, and the deer <laughs> starts to gallop towards me. And I felt the ground shake. And I was like, Bambi's going to kill me. And, and then finally he turned just like in the last second. But I can tell you, when you feel the ground shake, even when it's a deer, there's an intensity to that moment. Isaiah says everything shook. God is speaking. And God is not like, oh, look at this. God, come here, come here. That's not God. If you've never been before God and been afraid, you've never been before God. God is like a tsunami, man. God is awesome. I'm telling you, he's awesome. Holy, 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 the, everything shakes and then goes on and says, and what's interesting is his response to the holiness of God. He says this, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, when I see the Lord and I think of seeing the Lord in this way, I imagine that his next response is not, woe is me. It's like, whoa, you are awesome. But when he gets before the holiness of God, he can't, and so this is important. If we're gonna go where God wants us to go, we need to see God as he actually is. And then secondly, we're gonna have to be confronted with our junk. Now, this, right now, the way I look, is as good as I'm ever gonna look. I'm telling you, this is like, this is me all dolled up. This is me popping a mint. This is me combing my hair. This is me putting on my nicest clothes, right? This is the best I'm ever gonna look. But my wife really knows what I look like. She really knows. She sees me as I really am. You guys see me and you think whatever you're going to think. Like, oh, that guy was helpful or boy, that was long or whatever it is. You know, whatever it is. You see and you go and you make an assumption of me, but it's mostly positive, right? When my wife sees me, she sees me in all my dirty and my grime. When I'm before my wife, even she doesn't know some of the deep, dark, dirty things inside my heart. And when you get before God, you just, you can't pretend anymore. Like the nice clothes with the, with the cool name brand on them, they don't matter. Nothing matters. You recognize you are glorious. It's like, um, oh man, it's like, well, it's like right here. You guys are just like a bunch of beautiful young people, right? Like, it's just like a beautiful, not all of you, but I'm just saying. Um, no, like most of you, like, right, you can get, and when you know, like, when you've been around beautiful people, like really beautiful people, and you're like, like, whoa, you get very self-conscious, right? I know that that's happened to me more than once, especially when I'm around affluent people. I'm like, I'm looking, you know, you, uh, you, you check yourself. He's before the Lord, and if we're going to go where God wants us to go, if we're going to be able to say like Isaiah, send me, here I am, send me, we're going to have to share our junk. And here's the good news. 
when you share your junk with God, when you share your mess with God, when you share how messed up you are with God, he doesn't turn you away. That's the beauty of our message. The Christian message is not that we're good people trying to get better. The Christian message is that we are ruined people, worse than we could possibly imagine, and that God's love is far greater than you can ever dream. The message is that we come to God with our mess, and he gives us himself. That's what Isaiah does. He goes, woe to me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And it's interesting that he confesses that his sin is the mystery is. Remember, we're in chapter 6. Isaiah's been preaching already. And, and he confesses the place that God uses him the most is the place of his greatest sin. That might be true for one of us or all of us. Isaiah then, or it says in Isaiah, it says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, which he which uh, with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has taken away from your sin or, and atoned, uh, is taken away atoned for. So we're, we're seeing the greatness of God and then we're seeing the depth of our sin. But what can make us say, here I am, send me, is this, this moment. That God takes the fire of his wrath and touches, it's, there's this beautiful dynamic here where it's like uh, coals and altar, right? So there's this fire, coal representing the fire, and every time you see fire in the, um, the Bible, it's, it's connected with God's wrath. And so you see the wrath of God, but in, then, listen to me, there's an altar there. Isaiah doesn't know that in the future, Many, many centuries. Isaiah doesn't know yet. He's getting a, he'll get some sort of insights into this later. He doesn't know that there's one who's going to come, who's going to lay his life at the altar for the sake of Isaiah's sin, sinful lips. There's one who's going to give his life. There's one who's going to lay down his life for Isaiah's guilt so that Isaiah can experience the intimacy with God that he always dreamed. See, Isaiah doesn't know that, but he's experiencing it right then and there. And God touches the place of his sin, and, and with that kind of, that's the only way. How on earth are you gonna be able, in your job, to walk in a particular way, even though everybody else is walking in another way? How are you gonna have the confidence to do that? How are you going to have the confidence to be able to go to your spouse and say, I was wrong, even though you feel 99%, 1% wrong, right? How can you say, I was wrong. Can we talk about reconciling? Let's be peacemakers. Let's reconcile. How can you do the right thing? How can you follow Christ in whatever call he has for you? The confidence comes from the fact that he has forgiven you all your sin. You know the shameful stuff that you'll never tell the person sitting next to you? The stuff that you feel like you're going go to go to your grave with? That shameful stuff God already knows and he says, he holds your face in his hand and he says, you're mine. You're mine. I purchased you. I love you. And he forgives at a great cost, the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. That gives us the confidence that whether it goes well, like 
some, you know, some experiences, right? Some people plant churches, and it goes like super well. I plant the church, and I become homeless multiple times. It's like a habit. It's like, I, it's crazy. And, and that's okay, because it's not about being a success in terms of what even I think a success is. It's about going, I'm yours. This is your plan. You'll help me. You'll guide me. You'll because when we see a vision of who God is, that vision gives us a, a vision for our lives. Finally, before I go, there's this, um, I'm gonna quote to you lyrics from a song. And I was very insecure about doing, quoting you these lyrics because when Pastor Aaron quotes, he quotes from like the New York Times or, or, or like David Foster Wallace or something like that. And I'm gonna quote to you from Elsa from Frozen 2 because I'm that good. And so, there's this moment, in the, and I haven't really seen the movie. Have you, has anybody here seen the movie Frozen? No, again, I'm, okay. I'm back. All right, um, so the movie Frozen is, I don't know, it's about this girl, and it's, there's problems, and she's gonna solve them, and I'm sure it's gonna end well, all right? I haven't really seen the movie, I just heard the song. And so, but I get the general gist of the thing. And so she wakes up, and uh, she, there's this, there's this you, this sound, this hum that's calling her greater, that's calling her to do something that she feels insecure about doing. She's already settled. Life is already good. She'd already graduated from the, her dream school, already got her dream job, is already living in her dream city, already dream husband, like everything, well, uh, she's not married in this particular case, but she's, like, everything is perfect for her. She's living with her family. Everything is perfect for her. But and then there's this stubborn, constant call. And I just, connect with some of the lyrics here because it's, this is the way I respond to the Lord. And she says this, I can hear you, but I won't. Some look for trouble, trouble where others don't. There's a thousand reasons I should go about my day and ignore your whispers, which I wish could go away. You're not a voice, just a ringing in my ear. And if I heard you, which I don't, I'm spoken for, I fear. Every is here within these walls. I'm sorry, secret siren, but I'm blocking out your calls. I've had my adventure. I don't need something new. I'm afraid of what I'm risking if I follow you. Which is the refrain that goes on and on. What do you want? Because you you've been caught, because you've been keeping me awake. Are you here to distract me so I make a big mistake? Or are you someone out there who's a little bit like me, who knows deep down I'm not where I'm meant to be. Every day is a little harder as I feel my power grow. Don't you know there's part of me that longs to go? And then it does the chorus. It says, are you there? Do you know me? Can you feel me? Can you show me? The answer to her last few questions are yes and amen for us. He's there. He knows you. He feels what you're experiencing. And he can show you, not only himself, he can show you 
where your life can go if surrendered to him. My prayer is that you would take your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, and bring it to him. So here's what you can do. Listen, tomorrow, don't rush, don't do a five-minute devotion. I encourage you, spend more time with Jesus, whether it's reading with his word, reading his word, praying, spending time with Jesus. Develop a relationship with him that grows beyond the two-minute devotional just before the door. And then, if you dare, start practicing this. Would you practice just sitting in your room after you do your devotional, and would you practice just sitting there for two and a half minutes? I was going to tell you five, but I felt like that was too advanced. And so, just try this. No, this is, you'll understand. Do it tomorrow, and you'll understand. Sit. Sit having reflected on the scriptures that you just, because I'm assuming you're doing a devotional where you're reading your scriptures and you're, you're taking it, and then ask God to speak to you through the scriptures that he just read, that you just read. And then here's what I want you to do. This is going to be crazy. What I want you to do is, as you're sitting there, I want you to imagine your whole world inside your hands. And if you dare, I want you to open your hands as a gesture to God, my body, my intellect, my earning capabilities, my relationships. God, you put whatever you want in and you take whatever you want out, but only if you dare. And sit there for two minutes reflecting on the scriptures. Just waiting on him, knowing that he is a holy and that when you see him, it's going to convict you of sin, but that, beloved, don't run away. Bring your guilt to him and then discover that not only does he forgive, but he sends. It's a crazy adventure, I can tell you. Never a dull moment. I encourage you to say to Jesus, here am I, send me. Let me pray for you. Father, together, thank you that we've been able to not only sing, but read your scriptures, confess, and receive the truth of your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that as we are here, Lord, that you would give us a of you that would so astound us that we would and we would be fearless even with our fears walking into the, your vision for our lives. Father, if that's in real estate, I pray that you would help them to glorify you in real estate. If that's in law, I pray that you would help them glorify you in law. In the medical field, I pray that you would help them glorify you in the medical field. Whatever it is that you would glorify, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.